Hey there. I just want to let you know that I will be ending my reign as host of my startup journey at the end of this quarter, meaning in just a couple of weeks. This quarter, I've interviewed everyone I wanted to except one, Professor Linda Dara. Linda is the head of the Kellogg's Entrepreneurship Program and an overall badass. March 15th, I'll be hosting a live episode with Linda. And if you'd like to attend in person, look for the link as we only have 30 seats available. We'll send out more information through the link. But now, my startup journey. Support. Support. Support for this podcast is brought to you by the The Kellogg Innovation Entrepreneurship Initiative. Think bravely. Think differently. Think collaboratively. Four months into my new job. So I quit that job and opened a restaurant. Wow. And um, no expert. No. No expertise whatsoever. It was just like, there's there's a space here. Let's try and fill it. Um, so how, how old were you? I was 23. Hello and welcome to My Startup Journey, a show where we interview Northwestern entrepreneurs, builders, visionaries, and classmates. In this episode, we're talking to Carlos Gomez, who is a serial entrepreneur who created a social media website, a chicken wing franchise in Guatemala, and this podcast. In a previous episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing David Haysbrook, who was the Entrepreneurship and Venture Capital president before me, aka my EVC dad. In this episode, I interview the other end, my EVC son. But before we get into that, you need to hear this story. This is Carlos's story of when he first learned that he could sell to make money. First thing I ever did was in fifth grade. Um, my grandmother had bought me some candy, uh, imported candy. I took it to school and then a kid is like, hey, can I have one? I was like, this is the only one I have. Okay, I'll buy it from you. Sure. Uh, and that day it was just like, oh wow, I can, I can just bring candy and sell it. So that afternoon, um, I convinced my mom. She gave me a little bit of money. I went by uh, to buy some imported candy, the same one that I had uh, just sold that morning. Took it to school uh, the next day. Sold all of it. Took all of my money. Next day, that afternoon, bought candy again with all of it and just started turning around and turning around. Um, about I want to say about four weeks four to five weeks into it I was uh, churning like three four hundred dollars a day and uh, wow. and then the school just put a stop to it that I was being disruptive during breaks um, and there's just a lot of cash was being handled I was a young kid and they were like you can't do this anymore uh, but that was kind of like my first experience and it was just addicting ever since even as a young kid I would always just think of what can I sell what can I do and it just the whole time always uh, through, during high school um, I would try and do stuff with uh, student government sell them chips that they weren't available at school so I would get them outside of school and just things like that it's, it's always now obviously Carlos goes to high school and then afterwards it's time for him to go to college as a kid growing up in Guatemala, guess where he decides to go? So in Louisiana, University of Louisiana. Whoa, how was it going to Louisiana? That must have been a huge culture shock. It was going from a big city to a small town, college town. Um, not a very 
diverse. I was just about to say that. Um, Yeah, it's it's small, but it was great. It was like very well suited for my personality. Um, I made a lot of friends. I was constantly out, so I knew a lot of people and uh, just had an amazing time. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, Yeah, and I was there till four four years. I stayed an extra year, just kind of doing nothing selling candy yeah almost (laughs) yeah my roommate and I we started a website um, that we would go just like a social scene so we would go out take pictures of people at the bars and and just post them and tag them Um, this was pre Facebook stuff so um, we did that for about six months self-funded bootstrapped ran out of money and, and just lost interest soon after but um, yeah that's what I did so how did you for that small venture how did you know how to do that I mean because this was before Weebly Squarespaces existed and to make a website you have to know HTML CSS maybe some JavaScript maybe but you definitely need to know a lot more technical expertise yeah is that what you have in your dad yeah so I've never really followed and, and pursued that seriously but I have developed a lot of those technical skills just throughout life I guess I have a, a, an interest in it um, so I knew HTML uh, I had picked up some things during high school and then kind of like dabbled into it on my own uh, throughout college so I, I could I could build websites um, and uh, and yeah that's that's how we got it started so we would sell banner ads uh, on the website and, and this is what year was this this must have been like this is 2000 like no 2003 so this is before going into 2004 yeah this is way before you have uh, like double click and all this other stuff yeah no this is just like it it was how did you approach getting people to put banner ads on your site so i'm i'm a pretty social person i I enjoy going out quite a bit especially in college so i had made a lot of friends with um just bars and within the night scene like a lot of the owners or managers um and so this was kind of like a social um website so then we just i just approached a lot of people that i knew and i was like hey do you mind uh we come in take some pictures you know just people having fun um and you know they they would agree they would let us in we wouldn't have to like pay cover charges or anything like that wait in line uh just walk in take the pictures and then i started trying to sell them on on some ad space um so i wouldn't do it initially um but then after i'd had visited a couple of times roommate and i we had t-shirts made and everything we'd show up take the pictures people reacted positively so then um, we started just pushing basic ads I would do them myself on in, on flash uh, they weren't amazing ads but you know they, people paid a, a few bucks for it 100 bucks a week and crazy and it's like this is way before you had these metrics like what's the CPM and the CTR on this stuff it's like I don't know just give me some money and I'll put up an ad yeah so I, I, I don't know I never really thought of um, business in that sense maybe that's why none of my startups really <laughs> flourished um, but it was mostly just like hey I think this is fun yeah. I haven't seen it anywhere else or I've seen it somewhere else I don't see it here 
So I'll just do it and charge some money for it, make sure there's, you know, a little bit of margin there for me and that's it. I, I love to ask, you have this thing and, and then college is, is over and whatnot, and then what happened or how did you, how did you meet your wife? How did all this, how did you eventually get to Kellogg? It's a long process to Kellogg. So after that, I, I moved back to Guatemala. I just felt like with the website that didn't, wasn't really doing anything, really making a lot of money. It was just having fun, going bar hopping. And um, so moved back to Guatemala, uh, got a job with a big construction company. And I lasted there um, four months because as soon as I got back to Guatemala with a good friend from high school, we started talking about what we could do, uh, set up a business, and um, we decided we wanted to just open like a family-style restaurant, uh, sports bar, kind of like Buffalo Wild Wings. And there was, at that moment, there was only Hooters that had that kind of sporty atmosphere to it, but in it's Guatemala. not in Guatemala. But it's not really family-friendly. Um, so we felt like there was uh, an opportunity there. So four months into my new job, uh, we just decided to do it. We had talked about it a little bit. We uh, raised a little bit of money through friends and family. So I quit that job and opened the restaurant. Wow. And um, no expertise. No. no expertise whatsoever. It was just like, there's, there's a space here. Let's try and fill it. Um, so how, how old were you? I was 23. Wow. And part owner of this. Yeah. What was so it called? Wings. Wings. With a Z. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So it was nothing super creative, but I learned a lot. And we quickly became very popular. Place was packed all the time, so we said, "Hey, let's franchise this." Um, so we started building our processes. I think that's the first time that I actually started looking at a business. Like, okay, let's make sure we have our, our stuff in order, our numbers are right. Uh, we need to have certain processes in place, and like started to structure, get a lot more structure to it. Um, it just naturally required it if we wanted to build a franchise. So we started doing all this stuff. Um, and then just quickly realize we need to test it, make sure that uh, we can open up another location and everything's going to be transferable. So um, we moved on to a second one and did that and then noticed a lot of kinks, uh, fixed it. And then I don't know why we just kept thinking like, well, let's just like replicate the process that our possible franchisee would follow. Um, so we did it a third time. And by then we felt like, okay, this is, this is going well. It's, uh, it didn't have a lot of problems. Everything was really easy to fix. Uh, training uh, was well set up. Uh, recipes, menu, everything was well oiled. We had already made a lot of changes along the way. Um, but it was super tiring. So throughout that two and a half year process, um, I initially was taking the lead and doing the bulk of the work and I uh, felt like I was getting burned out. It was just long hours. Uh, so then my partner took the lead and I took kind of like a back seat a little bit where I founded a tiny little company on the side since I had free time. 
um, but eventually he also reached that same same feeling like this is a lot of work long hours uh, we were doing a lot of stuff ourselves um, we could have built a better team around us but we didn't so eventually we we're just like okay this was fun we learned a lot uh, let's just get rid of it so we put it on the market started looking for buyers we found a restaurant group who was interested and um, and they bought it Wow! and we that's it like uh, we we were happy to hand it over did you use investment bankers at all or just uh, no no so it was a pretty informal process um, it wasn't a huge company either so we just uh, started spreading the word uh, friends and people we knew we did go to a bank and and they started helping us along the way um, but the person the banker who was helping us was interested in himself um, and it turned out that he was a partner at this restaurant group so instead of continuing on with the bank he just kind of like took it to the side and he said look you know what let's explore this in a different way uh, and so we've made the deal with them wow that is a phenomenal story is wings still open it is not so they continued on they grew it quite a bit they didn't franchise it they kept it and they opened more locations within Guatemala um, and then uh, 2000 you know recession yeah. hit everywhere right. well, good for um, you and, your and, and then it didn't do so well for them wow well, good for you guys very <laughs> cool very very cool you know you're, you're the first one that I've interviewed who has been in the food industry and I know that you have a long experience with the food industry, but talk to people who are in uh, like sustainability, a lot of fashion, that type of stuff, right? Um, all these other parts, but you're the first one in food. And, I, and it's, it's interesting because at Kellogg, there are a couple of startups that are focused around food. There's Rebucha, which is now a new name. There's, um, what was it called? It's Vietnam Nam. It's Vietnamese food and it's and all this okay. stuff. But but there's I, th I think what people don't realize about the food industry, and I, I have no experience in the food industry, is how much work is involved because you have a direct it's direct B to C. As you said, there's a lot of long hours. I have a friend who's a bar who, who's a bar manager and he's like, It's not fun, you have to deal with drunk people all day. Yeah, that's true. Well, but well, the what are some lessons? Of the food so the industry? thing about food is that, it's, first of all, it's huge. People are always going to eat, right? Um, and then there's so many um, supply chain is, is it's just massive, right? Billions and billions and billions. B two C, B two B. When you're thinking from the very first step with the farmer and all this that's going on right now in, in the agricultural space, at how you're improving yields and keeping track of uh, livestock and, and now you know you're, you're I just read today uh, a company acquired some um, investment for tagging cows and then through that they're able to electronically uh, like geofence them so they can push them along the way to where they want them to um, and what? eliminate the need for fences right so fencing is a very important thing it's very expensive to be doing it all the time so now you can kind of like push them and nudge them to where you want them to go or you avoid them going where you don't want them to go which essentially is just like pushing them where you want them to um, so from that very first step of just having the cow eat 
to you know the processing of the of the beef and then uh, that is getting either canned or sell uh, or sold and it's getting sold to uh, a wholesaler who takes it on and wholesale it to distributors and smaller distributors to sell to bigger distributors and then that goes to supermarkets uh, goes to restaurants and then the restaurants so that whole chain is huge there's so much opportunity and um, in a lot of places it's just very old-fashioned so I think now it's being it's getting popular um, I've always had an interest in the space not necessarily for those reasons just for the fact that it's very active but uh, but it's huge I can I can see why people get involved when we return Carlos and I zoom in on Kellogg and we talk about this podcast classes and what we as students have learned about the Kellogg entrepreneurial scene versions of a website, how do you know which one people would more quickly understand? Could they find the information they were looking for? How long would it take them? Built for UX testing, Usability Hub allows you to see which version of your site or app users prefer, where would they click, how many do the action you want, and much more. At $2.50 per targeted tester, it's a great way to gain insight about your designs and user interfaces. Sign up at our EBC site to get 40% off of three months or do a pay-as-you-go model. Hey, if you're an entrepreneur or working for a startup and you're looking to grow your business, stay organized, or help with presentations, you should probably listen right now. In this segment, we call this Entrepreneur Tools, and it's a chance for me to tell you about some cool tools that can help you do all that. Hey you, are you sick of plastic pollution, specifically disposable utensils at Kellogg and Northwestern? I am. And did you know that while it takes an Apicor two months to decompose in a newspaper about one and a half months, it takes plastic utensils 450 years. That means it'll decompose by the time you have a great-great-grandchild. However, there's a solution. You can sign our petition to ask Kellogg to use virtual utensils instead. They only cost two cents more and they decompose in less than three months. Unlike biodegradable plastic that requires sunlight, bacteria, and water to decompose, these will just turn into mulch when they're compressed. If you want to get in on this and sign my petition, which I plan to share at the end of March, text THINK SUSTAINABLY to 773-598-5989. Again, 773-598-5989. We are back. If you're just tuning in, we heard Carlos mention how he started a social media company in Louisiana later made a chicken wing restaurant in Guatemala and then successfully sold it. But where did all this curiosity to start stuff come from? Here's Carlos and me discussing. I remember too that when I first met you, for the people listening, Carlos and I were in the EBC group together and then Carlos took over as the president later. But when I first met you, I remember Dave Haysbrook had said, all right, here are all the applications. So we said that you would be president. And then here are all the other applications and take a look at everyone. And took a look and everything. It's like, okay. And all the people, we had a big meeting, if you remember that. It was like your first, it was like your first day. And I loved it. It was like your like yeah. orientation. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. It's like yeah. one of wear the purple shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was in my, my, I think it was like my first few days. Yeah. Came in and I remember, I remember we hit it off. 
this guy is cool. And I read your, your application, which was you had started this food, this restaurant business and all this stuff, and now you're in seafood and all this. All right, cool. Very cool. And one, one thing I've come to to learn about you as a friend and as a good person is your style is very, you are always very curious to try it out. And it's it, even with, but I knew this before we even, I heard about your start, your um, website business and the other ones, but you're always just like, I'd be very curious to see and let's just try it out and it's almost to a point the money is money but it's it's obviously needed but it's more to a point like alright I'm satiated with my curiosity next thing next thing next thing and by that for people who don't know is I am the voice of the podcast but Carlos this was actually your idea this was completely your idea of hey I remember you came to me and you said we should do a podcast it was at Kellogg Table and I'm like alright cool and then we just started thinking about it and music and all that stuff and it happened. but for for you the question I have is like what made you even think about it for this for this whole project that we've been doing together since July of 2017 yeah so that is definitely true what you mentioned about that curiosity um, most of the things that I've done and it's changed a little bit uh, in the last few years where I've started to just think of things in a little more structured manner and thinking of a longer term of okay so next startup I do I, I do want to bring it to to uh, to scale but I've always had that curiosity of hey you know I this would be this would be a good idea this is nice I, th I, I know I can do this um, and then once it it's done it it's done so in this case with the podcast, I noticed uh, going through while we were doing a lot of the events at EVC, um, you had the great idea of recording them and, and putting onto a website and people uh, liked it. People would mention it to me like, oh, I visited the website. It was great that I could hear some of the past events. Uh, and that, that moment, the second time I heard that, it just the light bulb went off and it was just like, we should have a podcast. Why would uh, we should do it right? People like it. Um, and then at that moment, uh, there was, I mean, I thought of you, I knew we would sink on that and, and, uh, if anybody could make it happen, it would be you. So I was like, okay, let's try and get this done. And, uh, surpassed my expectations entirely, even though you give me a lot of credit, you build it, you did it. Um, and people love it. It's, it's, it's getting a, a lot of listens. It's improving every single time. Um, and I see, it I see it moving forward for hopefully uh, years to come. Yeah, no, I, I've learned a lot from doing it too, but it's, it, was, it, it all started. It was your idea. I, it was not even on my radar to ever, never knew how to do podcasts. And had, then we researched it and it's like, okay, hosting and production and all this stuff. And then I know you worked with Linda and Sonny on the, on the marketing piece, but I, 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 it, just, it just is so gratifying to see how this what we're doing right now is actually a result of just your human nature, or not your human nature, sorry, just of your nature, of who you are as a person. And I, I love hearing this story of, I want to try this thing. Okay, cool. I want to try this thing. All right, cool. It's just, it's almost, like I, I, I can see it in you, which I think is very similar to me too, is it's almost painful in your mind if you don't know the, what, this, what would have happened to it. 
I just need to try it out. Yeah, yeah. And I think it also goes into things that I know I can I can do. So since I know it's it's a lot of the curiosity and just like trying it out and testing it and building it. Um, I don't usually jump into things that I can't do myself, uh, that I would have to go out and, lo and, and look for a lot of help or seek funding uh, just because of that reason. I, I, the only time I was really on board with something I didn't have the expertise for didn't go very well. Um, so it's always something. So, so then that, that sticks with me because I know I can build it. I know I can do it. Uh, it's just a matter of putting in a little bit of time and effort so usually it sticks with me until I either do it and just okay I'm happy with with doing it or just let it go like somebody else is gonna do it and I agree with you 100% I think that is where you and I are similar but that work could be a, a big detriment where you become a solo flyer as Carter Cass said you just want to do everything yourself because you you just depend on yourself then, which I know is not the yeah. best for a team. And But I, I do see the strength in it though, because when I talk to other Kellogg people about business ideas, and I'm sure you get the same, obviously being the EBC club too, and being the president, you probably get a lot of people like, I have a great idea, great idea. And, and the, the, first, the first block to it is always like, but I need this person. I'm like, well, all right, good luck. Yeah. Have fun finding that. And then the second block is, well, how willing are you? How much money are you willing to put into this? And then it's like, Ugh. and it, 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 you can tell already. If I ask those two questions, I know fairly how passionate I'm Because if you don't have the skill set, you're going to either try to figure it out yourself or you got to find someone. So definitely, I agree. So the thing is that either you're going to have to build the skill set on your own or you're going to have to find somebody and you kind of have to pay somebody to do it I think in in the past it was probably easier to approach people with hey I have this idea I'll give you 50% if you do your part but it turns out that their part is the essential thing you need to make it happen right um, hey go make a cryptocurrency for me yeah so I think in in, in the past it, it may have worked a little bit uh, but not now because everybody's just like communication information it's everywhere if you approach somebody to build something um, because you absolutely need their help they're you're gonna either have to pay them or or they can do it on their own why do they need you you just have nothing but the idea so I think that um, definitely having some expertise is is useful but at the same time like you mentioned just being that solo flyer I think that and I, I don't think I've, I've gone through it, but I definitely do want to when I, I launch something and scale it to then start looking and applying a lot of the things that we've, that we've uh, learned and that I've learned through just general work experience of um, managing teams and how important it is to just have people who excel at certain things uh, doing those because even though you may be able to do it yourself uh, you're not going to be nearly as good as uh, whoever it is that you're that you're bringing on to your team so uh, it's key definitely I agree 100% what what classes do you think have helped you or what classes from Kellogg have helped you 
in with this entrepreneurial mindset that you think is really supported if you were to start your next thing I know that you're going to be going into Accenture on strategy, right? Yeah. On the technology side specifically, because you, you obviously, from your dad's having a PhD in it, obviously, you're, how could you not be involved with it? But what classes have you taken that you have realized, like, this would have been great for me if I was starting off again? I would... It's, I'm, I'm trying not to say this, but I'm, I'm going to have to say it anyways, because I think that each and every class, each, each and every single class that I've taken has left me with something that would have been of value in the past and that is going to be valuable in the future. Um, a lot of, so I don't know if it's just me, but a lot of classes that I took, I, I hardly ever used any of my bid points. So I don't know if it's because I've taken classes that weren't as popular, but I've always thought of what what skills would just make me a well-rounded executive in the future and uh, allow me to to scale a startup once I I do decide to go back into that um, so I've taken a lot of the just like the core basic uh, business foundations uh, I would have probably enjoyed taking a lot of the soft uh, more soft soft skills uh, mores and, and a little bit more into leadership but Having done a lot of my my own startups and and then in my work experience, having been with just the same company, um, I felt like I was just limited in, in some of those basic uh, business concepts. Um, so so that's what I've done. So just like uh, competitive strategy was great, marketing strategy was great. Uh, I was surprised to see a lot of marketing uh, I ended up taking. Uh, when I applied to Kellogg and started, I wanted to move into venture capital. After taking a few finance classes, I realized that I do like the venture capital space, but I don't like the financial side of it. Um, so I, I enjoy more being kind of like a, uh, a resource, uh, much like a consultant, which is kind of like, uh, brought me into consulting right now. I want to develop that skill set a little more. Um, and who knows, VC might be in the future, but uh, fortunately, after taking some finance classes, I was like, okay, finance, not for me. <laughs> it, it is funny that you're the one of the other halves or of what's left of the Wildcat wealth, because we had Clarissa, Eric, uh, we didn't get Frank, but then you're the other part. I remember you're the more like, I, I know what I'm doing, the expertise. Yeah, I, I think that's how we built our Wildcat uh, Wealth team. We had three financial people and one like in uh, resident entrepreneur, and uh, yeah, I think that's part of what made it successful. Let's ha let's have a pretty candid conversation. What what have you noticed though about the Kellogg entrepreneurial scene, and what would you change regarding it? An entrepreneur doesn't only mean entrepreneur; it could be VC too, because I know you were so yeah. passionate about that topic. I think I think Kellogg does a good job. I think Northwestern in general does a good job. I see a lot of things that they that they're doing. They're really pushing for integration within programs, um, the garage, um, all, all the all the uh, competitions. Uh, they're really providing funding for the winners and, and 
big bucks, right? It's it's not like two thousand dollars, but they they're really making an effort. They're pushing it. I think that um, it's our job uh, as the EVC club to bring that information to the rest of the student body so that they can participate. Uh, evening weekend program, it's hard because we all have jobs. So I think that a lot of people do have good ideas that they would like to pursue but are maybe limited time-wise. Um, but overall, I think that Kellogg and, and Northwestern do a great job of, of bringing that, having it available. Um, I think they could make it more visible um, to everybody else because I think that for us as a as the AVC club we see that we see the correspondence we try to share it but if it and even when we do it doesn't reach any, everybody and if we didn't it wouldn't reach anybody at least within the evening weekend um, so they could make that more visible um, but you know it's hard because not everybody can participate and attend so is it worth the effort right it's kind of like a, a, a little bit of a trade-off for them um, but otherwise I think it's great I think it's it's something that has a lot of interest people always approach me like oh I have this idea I'd like to build this or in the future I'd want to do this and that um, so it's it's things are different nobody thinks of I'll have my next job for 30 years and, and retire with a pension um, everybody's perfectly capable of doing their own thing uh, especially if, if you're attending a, a top-tier program like Kellogg where you're obviously very smart and uh, you're giving a lot of tools to do it while you're there and then not to mention the education that's gonna help you do it once you leave so I have no doubt that many of the people who, who do have these ideas if it's not that uh, later on, if they keep on going and, and pursue their curiosities, uh, they're going to build great things. There you have it. That's Carlos Gomez, outgoing president of the EVC Club. After Kellogg, he's taking a job with Accenture and will be able to bring his entrepreneurial mindset and business acumen to other businesses all over the country. Personally, I think Carlos has done a great job of being EVC president as he focused on initiatives where people could learn. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I always ask, please leave us a review, but also please send a note to Carlos thanking him as this was entirely his idea. Until next time, keep dreaming. How do I, como se dice, hustlerito? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. Cool.